Shalom and welcome to this week's edition of the Think Jewish series in which we will be exploring how to be a star with a name, learning how to shine. This week's Torah portion begins the book of Shemot, known as the book of Exodus. Last week we finished the book of Genesis, which ended with Jacob bringing his entire family with him down to Egypt. All the while that Jacob and any of his sons were alive, King Pharaoh was good to the Jewish people. After Jacob's third son, Levi, who lived the longest of all the brothers, passed away, King Pharaoh turned against the Jews and the suffering began. The book of Genesis ends with the generation of Jacob and his sons passing away, and the book of Exodus begins with King Pharaoh seeking advice from his advisors on how to deal with the Jewish problem. King Pharaoh's plotting against the Jewish people begin in verse 8. However, the first five verses of the book of Exodus is where God once again counts Jacob and the members of his family that came down to Egypt. I quote, And these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. With Jacob, each man and his household came. Goes on, And now all those descended from Jacob were seventy souls. End quote. The fact that God counts the family of Jacob here by name and number creates a question. In the Torah, there are no extra words, much less so five entire verses. In the book of Genesis, when Jacob and his family moved down to Egypt to join Joseph, the Torah already counted by name Jacob and his entire family. I quote, and these are the names of the children of Israel who were coming to Egypt, Jacob and his sons. The verses go on. All the souls of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. End quote. Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, Rashi, lived in France from the years 1039 to 1105. The classic commentator answers this question with, and I quote, Rashi first quotes the words of the verse, and these are the names of the sons of Israel, and he goes on to comment. Although God counted them in their lifetime by their names, he counted them again after their death to let us know how precious they are to him, because they were likened to stars, which he takes out from beyond the horizon and brings in by number and by name, as it is said in Isaiah, who takes out their host by number, all of them he calls by name. End quote. From Rashi's comments, we understand that counting and names are both an expression of preciousness. More so, concerning the Jewish people, the two, counting and names, become one. As Rashi emphasizes, I quote again, counting them by their names, end quote. Thus, we must now explore the concept of counting as it expresses preciousness, 
the concept of names as it expresses preciousness, and the relationship between them both as together they express preciousness concerning the children of Israel. Additionally, we must explore the relationship between the children of Israel and the stars in the sky. And this is the comparison that Rashi makes, that just as God calls forth the stars through counting them and through their names, so too does God count the children of Israel by name. What do the children of Israel and the stars share in common? Our sages define the relationship between the children of Israel and the stars with the teaching in the Midrash and the Holy Zohar that stars are the main conduits of sustenance from the world, for the world. Our sages teach us that, quote, there isn't a blade of grass here below that doesn't have its star and its mazal in heaven, which hits it and says to it, grow, end quote. On the same note, our sages explain that the stars are able to be conduits of influence and sustenance to the world below only because the stars are recipients of the influence and sustenance from above. Thus, the stars have two aspects. A. They give influence of sustenance to the world below and B. They receive influence of sustenance from above. Understanding these two aspects of the star we can now understand why God calls them forth by name and by number, drawing them forth to serve their purpose and function within creation. We will then see that so too it is concerning the children of Israel. Let us see what lie hidden in a name. God created the world to be a very complex world, with each creature having its own specific form, definition, and purpose. Thus, the influence of sustenance to this world must be as complex, with each star having a different form and definition so that it serves as a conduit of a specific form and definition of sustenance perfectly described for its specific creation here below. This is the concept of a name. A name is a specific form and description which defines one from another. Each star will have its own name, which is the accurate name and description of this specific star, which defines the specific form and definition of its influence of sustenance. Thus, God doesn't just call all the stars with one name, for each star has its own name to serve as a conduit to its own complex creation down here below. So too it is with the children of Israel. When the matriarchs, Jacob's wives, gave their children their names, they each defined specifically why they gave the specific name to the specific child. And I quote from Genesis. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Reuben. Reuben comes from the word Re'e, to see. For she said, because the Lord has seen. And she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, Since the Lord has heard. So she named Shimon. Shimon is from the word Shema, here. I go on quoting. 
And she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me. Therefore she named him Levi. Levi is from the word Yilaveh, which means attached. I quote again. And she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, This time I will thank the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah, from the word Oda, which means to thank. End quotes. In the mystical teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, each of these names represent and introduce a different way of serving God through seeing God, through hearing God, through attaching oneself to God in prayer, and through thanking God. And so it is for all the twelve sons of Jacob, which make up the entire Jewish people. Thus, just as with the stars, the children of Israel each introduce a different influence of divinity into the world, and therefore each one has a different name. Let's go deeper into what lie hidden within a name. And on the outer layer, a name is a specific description of the outer personality and faculties of a person. Each soul has its own personality based upon the specific personality of its ten faculties. Take for example the famous sages of the Mishnah, Hillel and Shammai. They both had their ten faculties of their soul, which made up their paradigm of intellects and emotions. Additionally, they were both outstanding students of the great sages Shmaya and Avtalia. Nevertheless, they each had a complete different approach to understanding the Torah. Shammai's approach being of justice and Hillel's being of kindness. The Torah is called both the Torah of Truth, Torat Emet, and the Torah is called the Torah of Kindness, Torat Chesed. And both were right, Hillel and Shammai, in their paradigm of Torah. Nevertheless, they were both very different approaches to the point of their ruling contradictory verdicts upon a majority of laws. The reason for this was because of their different personalities, which was a reflection of the different personalities of the ten faculties of their soul. The reason for their contrast of opinions is because the personality of the soul is dependent upon the ten faculties of the soul, whether it comes from the branch of kindness or from the branch of strength and justice. The ten faculties of the soul constitute the outer layer of the soul as it reveals itself in its functions. Thus, the outer layer of a person's name reflects the outer layer of the person's soul. However, the soul has an inner layer, which is the core essence of the soul, above and beyond the specifics of its ten faculties. The inner power of a name is that it connects with the inner essence of the soul. This is why, when a person is called by his name, it pulls his attention even when he is deeply involved in a conversation or a thought. More so, when a person faints, which means that his ten faculties have reversed their shine and are now hidden within their essence core, calling the person's name can often bring the person back to consciousness. 
The reason for this is that beyond the name just defining the personality of the individual's outer ten faculties, the name also connects with the essence core of the person's soul. This is the inner power of a name. Now we can understand why God calling us by name reveals the Jews being precious to God. The deepest form of expression, uh, preciousness is when the expression goes beyond the personality that evolves and changes, the outer layer of the soul. Rather, the ultimate expression of preciousness is the expression which connects with the person's core essence, which remains forever the same. Let us now look into different forms of a parent expressing preciousness to a child. In a parent expressing preciousness to a child, there are generally three ways. A. Through giving gifts. B. Through saying words of love. And C. Through hugging and kissing. All of these three ways are subject to the time and space of a person's evolution. A gift is only an expression of preciousness when the gift is age-appropriate. To give a child an adult's gift does not leave the child feeling cherished. And to give an adult a child's gift will actually leave the adult feeling insulted. The same applies with words expressing love, which need to be age-appropriate. Hugging and kissing, which aren't subject to time, and express feelings of being cherished and precious to all ages, nevertheless, they don't transcend the barrier of space. One can only hug or kiss an offspring who is physically close and within physical reach. On a spiritual level, these limitations tell us that these three forms of expressing love and cherishment, the hugging, kissing, the, the words of love and the giving of a gift connect only with the outer ten faculties, the outer personality of the soul that are confined by the same forms of limitations. Kabbalah and Hasidus introduce the deep sentiment of preciousness and cherishment expressed in calling a child by a name and specifically so when the name carries a suffix of endearment. In the Ashkenazic traditional form, there is the suffix le, e, or ke. Those are suffixes to a name which express endearment. Take, for example, my name, Avraham. Many parents, out of endearment, will call an Avraham by the name Avrumi, Avrumale, or Avremke. This name of endearment will transcend beyond time and space. More so, this name, when used, we re will rekindle the love as a person being drawn forth from an emotional state of faintness. There is an amazing tradition handed down concerning the Baal Shem Tov's name, which was Yisrael, the name of the Jewish people, children of Israel. The Baal Shem Tov was born in a time when the Jewish people were in a very deep sense of faintness, both spiritually and physically. The Jewish people had suffered from being spiritually let down when Shabtai Tzvi, 
proved to be a false messiah, and therefore all spirituality and Kabbalistic teachings were viewed as taboo and dangerous. Additionally, the Jewish people were physically broken by the horrific ongoing pogroms. The Baal Shem Tov was sent to the world to rejuvenate the Jewish people with the faith, joy, and sincerity of the teachings of Hasidus. Calling the Baal Shem Tov by the name Yisrael, the name of every Jew being of the children of Israel, was already the Baal Shem Tov beginning his work, as mentioned earlier, the process of rejuvenating one out of his fainting through calling him by his name. God calling the Jewish people by their name at the time when they descended into Egypt was God empowering the Jewish people with their eternal core essence, preciousness, and cherishment that God has for the Jewish people. Now that we understand the preciousness of names and especially names of endearment in how they express and empower the eternal cherishment of God within the eternal core essence of the soul, we can now see how God's counting the Jewish people is even a deeper cherishment than God's calling Jacob and his children by name. What the preciousness that the name has over the gifts, words of love, hugs and kisses is that all the other forms of cherishment change within the maturing of the recipient in time and space, while the name remains throughout time with the individual. However, watch and see that every child in the family has a different name. When God counts all his children, each and every Jew, Jacob the holy patriarch and Yocheved the newborn infant, each count as only one neither less than one nor more than one. Everyone is equally one. This takes the core essence of the soul to a whole new level. For here, the eternalism is not just the eternalism of an individual's core essence, which differs from the other individual's core essence as evident in their different names. Rather, in counting, we speak to the ultimate eternal core essence of the soul in which each and every soul of each and every Jew is one and alike. The depths of counting over name-calling is evident in the tradition established by our sages to read the Torah portion of Numbers in which the Jewish people are counted as 600,000 strong. Every year, before the holiday of Shavuot, in which we celebrate God giving us the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. The wholeness of the Jewish people, which is needed in order to receive the Torah from God, is expressed in the Jewish people connecting as 600,000 strong. It isn't about each having their individual name, inasmuch as it is about each Jew realizing that we are all one and equal as one people under one God. That expresses itself in the endearment of counting more than in the endearment of name-calling. The question we now face is that being that counting is even greater and deeper than name-calling, then why did God do both 
as Rashi emphasized, I quote, counting them by their names, end quote. Counting should have been enough. Counting refers to the core essence of the soul as it is above, before it connects to a specific body. Our sages of mysticism tell us that a soul above, before it connects to a body, does not have a name. There, the ultimate eternal core essence of the soul is revealed. The name refers to the core essence of the soul once it has already descended and connected to the body. Now we can understand why God was counting by name Jacob and his family specifically when they were descending into Egypt. As the verse states by both times that God counted Jacob and his families, I quote, And these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. End quote. Why? The fulfillment of our service is specifically through the lower revealed level of our ten faculties of the soul as we are here below in the confines of our physical body and within the confines of our spiritual exile of Egypt. Egypt in Hebrew is called Mitzrayim, which means constraints and limitations. However, the empowerment to succeed down here below, and even below the average below, which is in the depths of exile, is through connecting the outer ten faculties personality of the soul with the core essence of the soul. This is done by connecting the ultimate core essence of the soul above, through counting, with the individual core essence of the soul within the body, through name-calling, and then connecting his name with his revealed individual personality of his revealed ten faculties of his soul. Thus, as Jacob and his family were going down into Egypt and would now be tested in living a practical day-to-day -day life, the ten faculties of their personality as Jews, this was the time that God counted them connecting their essence of above and God counted them by names connecting them with the core essence of their soul within their body so that they can live a revealed individual personality life of their ten faculties as a Jew. One last question remains to be answered before we go into the closing to make this all extremely simple and practical for each of us in our physical practical lives. But first, let's deal with that last remaining question. Rashi tells us that God counted Jacob and his children twice. He was, I quote, counted them in their lifetime by their names. He counted them again after their death. Why in their lifetime and then again in their death? If it is all about empowerment to live down here below as a Jew, then why count them again after their death? The secret here is that even though the outer revealed ten faculties of the soul is lower than the core essence of the soul and definitely lower than the core essence of the soul above, Nevertheless, this is an amazing point, nevertheless it is specifically through how we live down here as a Jew 
that we bring elevation to the core essence of the soul above. It is through our living as a Jew here in the physical world, one day at a time, one mitzvah at a time, that brings the essence core of our soul above to the greatest depths of paradise and into the even greater depths of oneness that we will have with God in the times of the resurrection. What an amazing concept. For us to live our life down here with our personalities in a body, in exile, we need the power of our core essence of our soul. And then on the same note, the core essence having an elevation in paradise, in resurrection, can only be affected and lifted up and empowered by us down here simply day by day, mitzvah by mitzvah, living with the ten faculties of our personality as a Jew living a Jewish life. In closing, it's time to get practical. Why get practical? Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch was once giving a series of deep Hasidic discourses on the differences between the different services of the different groups of angels that we mention in our prayers. You may have noticed that in our prayers we mention three groups of angels. One is called Chayot, the other one is called Ofanim, and the third one is called Seraphim. And each one has their own form of serving God and praising God. And Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak of Lubavitch was giving an ongoing series of deep Hasidic discourses Again, building and building and explaining and elucidating all the different forms of angels and their different forms of services and praise to God. Suddenly, the series stopped and the topic changed. The Rebbe, the son-in-law of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch, inquired as to why the sudden change of topic. The reason was because one of the Hasidim had written a letter to Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch that he doesn't see how these teachings can have any practical influence in his service to God. He was writing to Rabbi Yosef of Lubavitch that being a human, not an angel, why does knowing this have any effect on how he is to serve God? Thus Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak immediately ended the series and changed the topic of the next discourse. Why? Because the sole purpose of any Hasidic discourse is its practical implication in how we serve God day by day. Thus we understand that as beautiful as this concept of empowerment, of counting by name, as beautiful as, as it is, what does it tell me in how I now should serve God? What is the practical implication of this teaching concerning God's counting us by our names? Once, while the Baal Shem Tov was studying with his students, they heard someone calling to them. The poor wagon driver needed help in fixing the broken wheel of his wagon. The students of the Baal Shem Tov called back to him, We can't help you! They simply meant they were not capable of fixing wheels of a wagon. The person called out to them again and said, I'm going to say it the way it was said, which was Russian, Ukrainish Russian. Can you can, but want you don't want. End quote. The Baal Shem Tov turned to his students and said, 
quote, Do you hear the message that you are receiving from heaven? Can you can, but want you don't want. End quote. The first and foremost practical lesson to each and every one of us in our own situation of life, in our own challenges of day-to-day -day Jewish life, is that we have the ultimate core essence of our soul that can succeed in any situation it faces. Let's hear again those words. Can you can, but want you don't want. The essence core of power of our soul can overcome any situation. More than that, God counts us by name. And by doing this, God connects us with this core essence power. It becomes within our reach. It's not up there in heaven we have power. But we are connected. God connects us, drawing forth the essence of the soul above to the essence of the soul within the body to the way we think and feel. However, the one thing that God won't do is that God will not do the job for us. God will count us, name us, empower us, and cherish us. However, it is up to us to actually use all of the above and to do the job.